Hey folks, I'm Nick D'Alessandro and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This is the conservation season and this is the finale. And in case you cannot tell, the audio sounds a little different right now. That's because I'm not sitting at my desk with my microphone. I am along a trail in the Paynes Prairie Preserve State Park. I'm looking for bison and wild horses because this is a park that boasts those animals. I've been out here for a couple hours now. I've definitely seen some horses. I've definitely seen evidence of bison, but I've yet to see America's ghost, the bison. I know they're here, and I'm certainly trying my level best to find them, but how bison? and the wild horses of Florida wound up in the Paynes Prairie Preserve State Park is its own bizarre story, its own fascinating history. And how they maintain a park with animals that are as unique as these is a feat, to say the least. So this week, in the season finale of the conservation season, we're going to talk about Paynes Prairie Preserve State Park. We're gonna talk about the American bison. And I'm gonna take you along on my hike through this part of the state and what I found out in the woods. Hello again. It's still Nick D'Alessandro, but I'm coming to you now from the aforementioned desk and microphone. One week ago to celebrate the finale of this conservation season, I took a trip into one of the most unique state parks in the state of Florida, the Paynes Prairie Preserve State Park. I wore a little microphone on my backpack for most of the trip and recorded my thoughts out in the woods, the things I saw and observed, and the questions I needed answers to. I've gone on so many trips for this show over the years, but I rarely get to take you into the moment, the actual exploration of what I see while I'm out on these treks. We all learned a lot this season about conservation, and I thought a great way to explore all the topics we discussed, from trees to water to birds and mammals to the idea of conservation itself, would be to bring all that knowledge to a place where it matters most, among the wooded trails of a Florida state park. Now, before I send you back out into the woods, let's talk about this state park because we're going to be spending our whole day there, so let's get to know it a little bit. It's situated just south of Gainesville, so near the city that you can actually see the skyline from within the park. It's also very near several locations we've talked about on the show before, with Cross Creek, where Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings lived, to the east and segments of the Cross Florida Greenway to the south. The Ocala National Forest is just southeast of here. I took the route that I always do right through Ocala to get to Payne's Prairie and immediately found something I hadn't seen before. There's a horse! It's galloping! There was a horse on a farm. That was great. There were some cows back there. There's someone riding... There's someone riding a horse with a little carriage on the back. On a track. Whoa, there's more than... There's several people riding horses with carriages. What's going on? I'm at the corner of State Road 44 and County Road 46A. Where am I? What is this? <gasps> There's a sign. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, hang on. What does that sign say? It just says Southern Oaks Training Center. Are people training on riding horses with little carriages behind them? That's so cool! <laughs> What's going on? Ah, oh, that was awesome. 
Okay, see? There's always something to be found around Ocala. I always... Like, this is so cool! So they're on, like, little low carriages. Like, not, like, full, uh, like, box carriages. They're kind of like, um, Ben-Hur, but, like, more southern style. Obviously not, like, a Roman chariot. That was amazing. Well, I guess I'm gonna have to figure out what that is. I said it at the time, but it is indeed the Southern Oaks Training Center, and they train in a type of horse racing called harness racing, which is exactly what I saw. This center trains horses that compete in harness racing seasons, and those little vehicles that they're on, the ones I described, are actually called saddled trotters, because the horse has to jog at a specific pace, or trot. That's part of the sport I was naturally delighted. Anyway, let's talk about this state park, the Paynes Prairie Preserve State Park. It is 21,000 acres of savanna, a very special type of ecosystem here in Florida. It is actually a lot more complicated than being just a savanna. The Florida Department of Environmental Protection also classifies the park as a quote-unquote sinkhole valley. That is because under the grass of the Paynes Prairie, there is a sinkhole called the Alachua Sink, where water from the surface flows into the Floridan Aquifer below. So this park is a prairie, a sinkhole valley, a marsh, and it is also somehow a rich historical site as well. This area has, quote, 139 recorded sites that provide evidence of approximately 12,000 years of uninterrupted human occupation that extends from Paleo-Indian times through the 20th century, end quote. I tell you that to say this. This park is dense with history and ecology and things to explore. But one of the things that makes Payne's Prairie most unique is the animals that live within. I passed through the main gate of Payne's Prairie Preserve State Park and drove as deep into the park as the roads would allow. There, all the way in the back, is a beautiful visitor center with a map for you to pinpoint where certain animals and environmental conditions could be found throughout the park. The map indicated that near where I was, there were sandhill cranes and, of course, horses. Horses, specifically Spanish horses, run wild in Payne's Prairie. To get a look at these horses, I went up to the observation tower, which is just outside of this visitor center. I'm at the top of the observation tower by the visitor center of the Payne's Prairie Preserve State Park, there are wasps. I will say that. This place is beautiful. I mean, there's red and green and orange and yellow and tan and lighter tan. The colors here are just unbelievable. There's definitely horses out there. It's a rocking bench. Huh. It's a little noisy. <laughs> 
There is, in fact, a green bench that rocks back and forth. I sat there for a long time, staring out at the prairie. This is an essential visit at the park if you can make the climb because seeing the prairie from above tells you a lot about it. The plants here are extremely diverse, both in species and in color. Looking out at the layers before me, the colors shift and blend from green to orange to tan and back to green, with the shimmering blue of water speckled throughout. Out of nowhere, I see a horse that I was looking for. There's a horse. Yeah. It's a horse. A dark horse is in the grass about half a mile from where I am, chomping on some grass. They were everywhere out here, and when I was in the park, I was determined to get up close and personal to one. I think that was a great blue heron making all that noise. Seemed to be chasing off a flock of white birds, maybe cattle egrets. You did not like them. It was, in fact, a great blue heron, but I do not know what made him so angry. He was really, really expressing himself there. He chased like an entire crowd of these white birds away. I, I don't know what his problem was. The horse that was eating was completely unfazed. This is his ecosystem. In fact, Horses, and this horse's ancestors, have been in this area for 500 years. When the Spanish came to Florida, they brought animals with them. They brought the hogs that we've discussed that would become the destructive feral hogs that tear up farmland across the United States, but they also brought horses, and a lot of them. This area, now known as Payne's Prairie, was at one point, in fact, a Spanish farm called Hacienda de la Chua. At the time it operated, around the 1600s, it was, quote, the largest cattle ranch in Spanish Florida, end quote. But its location was vulnerable, and as the 1700s approached, La Chua faced dozens of threats from English attackers, French buccaneers, and local native groups who had lived in the valley for millennia. It wasn't long before the farm was abandoned, leaving the entire area vacant. By the end of the 1700s, this area was occupied by a very famous seminal figure. In fact, a man named Ahaya, or Cowkeeper. We discussed him in our episode about the Chiki, the traditional seminal structure. His title, Cowkeeper, comes from the fact that he had a massive herd of cattle to his name, and he lived right in this area for decades. He died in the 1780s, and his son took up a leadership position with the band that Cowkeeper led. His son was named Payne. P-A-Y-N-E, the same as the prairie. His town, fittingly named Painstown, was destroyed in 1813 by American soldiers around the time of the Creek Wars. Payne's name remained attached to this area even as more forts and farms popped up over the following century or so. A ranch bought this land in the 1920s, but we'll come back to that in a moment. The state of Florida bought this area in 1970, and over the course of the next several years, the prairie was restored to its natural, watery prairie state. It's into that prairie that I am trekking, looking for horses amongst the grass. I will apologize now. There, there is some bumping and rumbling as I walk. I mentioned that the microphone is attached to the backpack that I am wearing. I think that my water bottle within the backpack was hitting my back with each step, and it creates kind of a little rumbling sound. It's not 
all the time, but every once in a while you'll be able to hear it. You can actually hear based on the rhythm of my backpack hitting my back how quickly I was walking at times, and you'll soon see why. Let's now head into the heart of the prairie. I'm going downhill. And I haven't, I haven't mentioned this, but a lot of the entrances to trails have pretty intense gates in front of them like I have to weave through a wooden structure to get to the other side and this one's no different I th that means to me that they don't want these animals passing into places that are more human populated the wind really just picked up very dramatic okay I am crossing through the little weave to get into the park and I am now on this trip I mean it is very thin I'm correct, I can see the observation tower I was just at 10 minutes ago. Yep, there it is. Okay, I'm going to need to be quiet now. As quiet as I can be. If I'm going to see a horse, I need to be quiet. I should maybe even quiet my footsteps. A lot of horse manure. Manure, probably a better word than poop. Oh, peregrine falcon just flew over. I definitely heard a bald eagle earlier. I can definitely still hear a bald eagle. That's gotta be what that is. Are you a bald eagle? Big, beautiful bird in the distance? The trail really opens up and the prairie stretches out in all directions. I mentioned that there is some manure and I'd like to apologize now for how much manure conversation there is going to be. There does seem to be horse manure all over this trail, which means that the horse is close or has been in this area recently. It's a lot of swampland, marshland to the my left to I think the northern side of this trail. This trail was going northwest, north-south, and now it's going east-west, and I think it's going to reach a corner and start going north-south again. There's a type of flower called bison fir. That very well may be what I'm seeing. Honestly, I may be closer to gators than I am to bison. More barbed wire. Listen, I got new hiking shoes at the end of summer. Love to have them. I don't think I was expecting to walk through, through, I'll be honest, I've stepped on some padded down horse manure. Don't know if that was always part of the, there are hoof prints. There's a horse hoof prints. These, this barbed wire has to be for keeping a line, right? Between human space and the spaces where these horses are. Probably more to protect them than us. As much as this preserve is, by its very definition, a preserve, it is the Payne's Prairie Preserve State Park. 
that that is the emphasis, right? It's very near Gainesville, which means it's very near University of Florida, which means it's very near a lot of people. Gainesville's not the biggest city, but it's an active city. This park was actually, quote, the first state preserve in the Florida state park system, end quote. So note the word preserve, right? That, that, that is something different than just a regular old state park. This means that one of the main goals of the park is to preserve the, quote unquote, natural conditions. They are not trying to build a park that is right for humans to go wandering through to have recreational experiences. They are trying to build a park that can take care of the natural resources within above all else that that is the top priority and for the Payne's prairie preserve that includes these horses even though horses technically are not native to florida all the signs call the horses wild spanish horses which i suppose by definition means that they are non-native which is interesting to me because in the preserves verbiage documentation the wild hog is also present here and as we've discussed the wild hog is a very prominent and dangerous animal in terms of its impact on North American ecosystems, but also Florida ecosystems, the impact that they have on agriculture. Now, if there's wild hogs here, maybe that's a different conversation because this is a preserve, but all of the documents, all of the information that is represented in the visitor center, the wild hogs are a threat. The wild horses don't seem to be considered as problematic. Why is that? So this is an interesting distinction, and it's a little complicated, so just go with me here. Feral hogs are not native to North America. Neither are horses, technically, though there is an early ancestor of the horse that died out on the continent centuries ago. There are parts of the country that consider horses to be invasive, but these horses have been around for so long and they don't really affect anything negatively, especially within Payne's Prairie. This is their home. It's been their home for centuries. It's their prairie. I'm the one who's intruding, so to speak. The path I'm on is an unusual one. It's running along a line of water, totally parallel, a straight line. The trail is called the Cones Dyke Trail, one of many water blockages in the park. Payne's Prairie, like so many natural spaces in Florida, has a unique relationship with water. A newspaper, The Sun, based out of New York City, detailed in 1891 how the area around Payne's had been changing. Once in 1868 and again in 1873, rains filled up this area around the Payne's Prairie, including the Alachua Sink, so high that the whole region turned into a body of water, a, a big one. This made the water high enough for steamships to drift along a new lake that just suddenly popped up. It was like that for a decade and a half until around the time of the article being written, the Alachua Sink turned into a sinkhole and drained the water from the lake into the aquifer below. It just happened out of nowhere. Once that water fell, it started to be turned into rivers and basins, ones that were managed and dredged by a corporation called Camp Ranch Incorporated. They owned this land and they created a canal system to control the water to maintain better farmland. 
The land was then purchased by the state from the corporation in the 70s, and by 2013, many of the canals and dikes that had been created to block and alter the flow of water had been removed. This was to, again, restore and preserve the flow of water in and out of the park. The Cones Dike, however, is still in place. It's a trail now, and that is the one that I am hiking on. And it is here on this trail that I have my very first up-close and personal encounter with a wild animal. Here's how it went in real time. I love a trail like this because a lot of trails kind of wind and weave. And as much as I like those, you never know what's around the corner. Oh boy, that's a snake. That's a snake. That's a snake. I cannot tell if that's a living snake or not because he's not moving. That's a living snake. You have to be alive. Okay, it's not a diamondback. His body is kind of zigzaggy. Like it looks like he stopped. I'm gonna walk away, let him have a sense of privacy. I don't want him to be threatened by me, obviously. He can still see me. So he's kind of long, I'd say he's about two or three feet long, tan. He's got dark stripes down the side of his body. He's not a black racer. He doesn't seem to be a particularly threatening snake. I mean, it's not a diamondback. That's, that's my top priority. I'm gonna try to scare him off. Ugh. He did not move. That might be a dead snake. But also it looks like he stuck up his head. Oh, I've got chills. We're in kind of a standoff, me and this guy. He stuck his head up. He's alive. I'm gonna turn and walk away for a quarter of a mile, maybe a kilometer. So he sees me as not a threat. And then he'll go and then I'll keep moving. Yep, there he goes. Come on, buddy. Keep moving. I've never seen a snake quite do what he just did. Maybe it's a specific thing for his species. Like he just froze. Yeah, he got out of dodge, dude. He, he bolted. Oh, there he goes. Hi, honey. Oh, you're fine. I'm sorry if I scared you. I'm sorry if I scared you. Well, now I feel bad, except he looks fine. He's sliding off on his merry way. Can't even see him. Bye, bud. Sorry I freaked you out. Well, guess I better keep a better eye out for snakes. He didn't seem to be a troublemaker, though. Not one that was gonna mess me up. Way too thin. Probably a water moccasin. This area is probably, if 
it would make sense if he was a water moccasin because there's a lot of water in this area. Thank God I recorded this. <laughs> I have not seen a snake in the woods in a very long time. Probably the last time I saw a snake was across Florida Greenway. It was in this area actually, a little bit further south, closer to Ocala. On the cross Florida Greenway and I saw a diamondback. And I did not hike that trail because I do not want to be eaten by eaten. <laughs> Diamondbacks. <laughs> Diamondback snake eating me. They're very small. They're 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 tiny, but uh, they're dangerous. And uh, it was after that trip that I went to REI and bought myself a snake bite kit, just in case. So I did my Googling afterward to figure out what this kind of snake was, and I have a few ideas, but I do believe that a garter snake is the most likely culprit here. Most garter snakes do have venom in them, but they're mild enough to not be deadly for humans. Either way, I'm glad he and I were able to part each other's company without, let's say, uh, an extended interaction. I do love that audio. I have, I listened to it almost immediately and it just made me crack up at the fact that I state the obvious many times. That is a snake. <laughs> I, I, I've, you know, I've encountered deer in the woods before, but, and spiders obviously, but I have not been on a trail with a snake in front of me ever in my entire life. So naturally I was, I was a little bit spooked. I was a little bit freaked out and <laughs> you know, he was as well. And by the time he was gone, everything was fine. Did you hear me apologize? I apologize to the snake. That's, that's really, that's a real Nick D'Alessandro move. I have now reached the worst part of every trail. The part where you have to walk back. End of the line. Oh man, these shoes are gonna get, need to get a real clean. Yeah, it's turning to mud. Pretty soon I'm gonna be at the water and then that's over. Yep, yep. That's the end of that. It's all water from here, which means that I have to go back now. The prairie keeps going for a while, but that's it for me. Time to go back and see what I see on the way back and maybe head back to that observation tower. I know there has to be bison somewhere. All right, we are far enough into the episode. I think it's time that we talk about the bison of Payne's Prairie. Let's talk about bison. The American bison is one of the most iconic native animals in the whole of North America. There is no difference between a bison and a buffalo in North America, by the way. There are buffaloes in the world, other animals that are called buffaloes, but the American buffalo is actually the American bison. The native peoples of this continent lived off of and with the bison for generations. It's believed the ancestors of bison have lived here up to half a million years years ago. That's a very long time. When colonizers came to North America and began to expand west, the bison were one of many casualties of that western expansion movement. Our friend Michelle Nyhaus, author of Beloved Beasts, discussed it in her book, quote, in the early 1700s, North America was home to an estimated 20 to 30 million bison, more than enough to circle the equator if laid nose to tail, end quote. That's a lot of bison. 
but hunting came for the bison and overhunting followed, both for meat and for hide and for fur. The National Park Service also notes that in the 1800s, quote, the U.S. Army began a campaign to remove Native American tribes from the landscape by taking away their main food source, bison, end quote. Those killing bison were not just hunters or Western settlers. It was the nation's army as well. Michelle Nyhaus adds, quote, After the first transcontinental railroad was completed in 1869, the decline turned into a freefall, and by 1872, hide hunters were slaughtering more than a million bison each year, often leaving the carcasses to rot. End quote. A bill was passed to stop the hunting, but President Ulysses S. Grant vetoed said bill. It was ingrained in the culture for some time to hunt and kill and eradicate, basically, the bison. Their population slipped below a thousand, some reports saying that there were only 300 bison in the wild. It's here, in this decline of the bison, that many historians believe that American conservation had its first true cause that newly established national parks, notably Yellowstone, set about conserving the bison within its borders. Bison that had been put in private collections, including zoos, were brought to Yellowstone to allow them to cultivate in peace, which was a successful effort, with less hunting and western expansion slowed, and with bison living in protected areas, the animals that had been living in Yellowstone were able to eventually mix with the wild herds, and the population has rebounded. There was once upwards of 60 million bison in North America. Today, the numbers vary, but around 400,000 bison still exist to this day, a shadow of that original population, but they're still there, whether as livestock or in private collections or occasionally roaming wilds in a native ecosystem. In the state of Florida, our bison live in the Paynes Prairie Preserve State Park. That is actually part of the preservation project that I mentioned earlier. When the prairie became a preserve, one of the essential goals was to convert the land back to something resembling the form it had before the canals were dredged and the ecosystem was naturally destroyed by human intrusion. Obviously, that includes restoring the waterways and ensuring that the ecosystem flows as it once did, but that also means returning the native animals to this ecosystem, so that included the horses, and that included bison. This is a prairie, after all, and the bison did live in Florida at times pre-colonization, so when the prairie became a preserve, it became a priority to bring the bison back. They took animals from Oklahoma just 10 of them back in 1975, and brought them to Payne's Prairie. The population has expanded, and now there are about 50 bison wandering within the borders of the Payne's Prairie. My research told me that the best place to find a bison in the park would be on the Bolin Bluff Trail. So, naturally, that is where I went. Okay. So, I have arrived at the Bolin trail here at Payne's Prairie. Payment's two dollars. I've got some change. You are entering a wilderness area. Do not feed or approach wildlife. This is an unusual trail for a state park because it's not 
I didn't have to enter into the park to get in here. I just came to this trail. It's right off the road. I came here because the internet says this is the best spot to see bison. Now bison are all through this park, crossing through the pathway, and I'm on the trail. It was a quiet forest, mostly flatwood, though when I took a sharp turn on the trail, through the tree line, I could see the prairie out before me, but underfoot, and I apologized earlier, but I'll apologize again, this is going to get a little gross, there was something else entirely. Manure. Okay, I don't want to be gross, but there is poop in the middle of the pathway. There is a lot of poop in this pathway. Whoa. I don't know what like, cow pies look like, but that's a lot. And the dirt is really beat up here. Trees are felled. I mean, if ever there was an evidence of a large mammal, this is it. The dirt is really roughed up here. Trees carved up and scat everywhere. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I did not expect to find this trail just covered in bison poop, maybe? But I did. It, I gotta be honest with you guys, it kinda smells like a really strong coffee. It feels like a smell of like a really just like bitter coffee. And if that is what bison poop smells like, I need to unpack some feelings. Whoa. Oh my God, the smell in this trail. Just went from regular wood smell to something else. So I thought that the whole thing was like, I could see bison from this trail, but this seems to me like they are here. Another absolutely beautiful oak tree got to be pretty old with how tall it is winding there's a lot of vines in this area that is the biggest pile of cow poop I've ever seen boy the information on this trail did not include the details about the amount of poop that I would discover all right I will spare you the countless and I mean countless additional minutes of me spotting bison manure all over the trail but i'm sorry there was a lot of it and i had to comment on all of it so there's lots of really unsettling and funny audio of me seeing it all over the trail you you would not believe how often it is discussed <laughs> it was a i it was there i had to comment on what i was seeing it was there Anyway, I did my research and it was indeed bison poop. They were here in this area. I know that. I knew it for sure. The hoof prints were there and so was the scat. After a little while, the trail reached a clearing with a bench and a herding fence of some kind. I, I couldn't quite decipher what that was, but there was a sign that said that Hernando de Soto, the Spanish conquistador, had walked through this area and that this trail marked the path that he took from Tampa to the Panhandle. Another sign reads, Trail to Basin. I had learned later, after I had gone on this trail, that this basin is one of the most common spots to see 
bison. So I followed the trail downwards. All right, the trail I have just started going down is a lower elevation. It's, it's descending in elevation, which seems to me like I'm going into the prairie, which, gotta be honest, makes me a touch nervous. But sometimes you gotta do stuff that you're not certain of. I'm a safe hiker. I know all the rules. Maintain 100 feet from the prairie. From the wild buffalo, wild bison. What's the difference between a buffalo and a bison? Hey Nick, I'm doing research back at home. What's the difference between a buffalo and a bison? Y'all already know the answer. Bison, buffalo, same thing. You get it. Oh. I have reached kind of my end, but it will be, I think, fortuitous. So this trail just kind of opened up clear and is just a straight shot into the prairie. And it is flooded. Not a surprise. This is a wetland area. There are hoof prints in the dirt below me. I'm gonna take some pictures of that. Hoof prints going into this part of the park. I think I'm seeing prairie grass. That's gotta be what this tall leafy stuff is. Oh, maybe dandelions? Something is got white fluffy pollinators and it's like catching the wind and disappearing. Wow, that's beautiful. Look at that. There is a bird at the end of this trail where the water kind of encroaches. Probably a great blue heron at this distance. Lots of marks beneath my feet. Look more like bison than horses. They have that sort of sharpness to them that I believe bison footprints would have. And a lot of them are on the mud by the water. And then it's very muddy up ahead. Water table's probably pretty, pretty high in this area. Would not be surprised if there was gators in this water. There's a red tree with red leaves on it. Let's see if I get a picture of him. Wow. And then that's where the trail kind of ends. Turns to mud, then to water. I don't think I want to take too many steps into this mud because I don't know how intense it is. That's well, not bad. It's a little packed in. Nope, just turns to just liquefied under my feet. I do not want to get stuck in mud. But there's something out there past the water and it looks dark. Would not be surprised if it was a horse or a bison. Hours later, 
when I was at the visitor center of the park, the man working behind the counter there asked me if I went to Bolin Bluff since I was looking for bison. I told him I had, but I encountered a flooded path and could go no further. He nodded and said that's where the bison like to be, out past the water. I wish I could have gone back to that moment, back to me standing in mud, prairie grass whipping around, florets drifting off of nearby plants toward me. I wish I could have known that it was maybe a bison in the moment. I wish I could confirm that it was a bison to you now. I wish I had an answer. Maybe I would have trudged further into the water, knowing that maybe that was the bison that I was looking for. New boots be damned. That way I could get closer, just a few more feet, to the first animal of American conservation. The one that changed our hearts, our our minds about our animals, the ones that made us give a damn about the animals that roamed our continent. Maybe I could have gotten close to them, but I didn't know what I know now. So I turned around and left. I have a blurry picture and you can see a dark form in the distance, a few pixels on the screen, and it might be a bison. It might be. I don't know. I'll tell myself for my own sanity that it is, but... I don't know when I'll ever get to see a bison and to know that I was as close as I was. I just wish I'd gone farther. That's all. I wish I'd been brave enough to walk ankle deep into the water. But I didn't. Maybe next time. After I left that prairie, uh, the one where I saw my snake, (laughs) I returned to the observation tower and sat waiting in silence for a very long time. I thought that maybe if I was quiet and patient enough, the bison would just come wandering by like I had earned his appearance. I thought if I just sat there, he'd show up. I'll be honest with you, I keep expecting it to just pop up. Like I keep waiting and I've, I've waited long enough, I've earned this and then a bison will appear in like a magic moment. not really how that works. And yet I am still sitting here expecting it to happen. The horse stood in the tall grass eating, enjoying the warm winter sun. The eagle continued to hunt above. The wasps maintained their nest. The cranes called out, far out of sight. The bison were out there. I knew that for sure. All of these animals share this ecosystem, the one standing in protection in a safe space just for them, they all have the bison to thank. We almost lost that animal, the American bison, the American buffalo, and the fact that we almost lost it changed something in the character of us as a nation. We have conserved and preserved and cared for so many animals, endangered animals, animals that were facing endangerment since the American bison. It just so happens that they were the first. In so many ways, American conservation began with that big, beautiful animal that I just couldn't see today. I had to accept that I wasn't going to see a bison that day. If the bison does not want to make an appearance, that's perfectly fine. 
in every acre of land, in every curve of restored water, in every species that roams freely in this park now, and in any preserve in the country, in any animal like our egrets or our bald eagles, any animal that has been preserved in conservation, and the fact that we are able to see them around, that is the presence, the impact, the legacy of the American bison. That, I think, will have to be enough. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I am so glad that you are here. If you're brand new to the show or if this is somehow your first episode, welcome. You're at the finale of this season. And though it's not all one story, they are all interconnected. And a lot of the things I talked about in this episode are connected to previous stories. The one that is most connected is, of course, the story of the Carolina Parakeet, which I discussed with author Michelle Nyhaus, whose writing was a huge influence on the creation of this episode. So go back and listen to that episode. It is wonderful. I have so loved this conservation season. It has been so informative for me and so educational. I'm glad that I got to take you along with me to explore all the things that we don't know about our conservation, all the ways that we could be helping, all the things that are being done, all the things that are yet to be done. We are dealing with so many problems in Florida and our ecosystem and our animals are facing a brunt of it and so are our plants, our waterways, and eventually all those things come back to affecting us. So conserving the things within our ecosystem is vital to the survival of the ecosystem and vital to the survival of us. I'm glad that this season existed. I'm glad we got to share it together and I cannot wait to learn more about conservation as this show continues. If you're looking for more Wait 5 Minutes, there is a website just for you. Go to WFMPod.com for transcripts of past episodes, additional photographs related to those stories, and photos from trips around the state. I am updating these transcripts right now so that by the time next season comes around, you can look at every episode from 2021 in a fantastic transcript form with additional photographs. You can listen to the episodes there, so tune in in February for those transcripts. Until then, head to WFMPod.com. You can now pick up Wait 5 Minutes merchandise at Cast and Clay on Etsy. Cast and Clay is run by one of my best friends, Sophie Aparicio, who designed each of these stickers alongside the rest of their catalog. There is a Drink More Water sticker, a Wait 5 Minutes sticker, and a sticker featuring the show's subtitle about Florida by a Floridian. Grab them individually or as a set of three at Cast and Clay on Etsy. Head to the link in the description to pick up your WFM merch now. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review. It helps the show become more visible, and it means a lot to me to know what you like about this show. You can also find me and share the episodes on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WFMPod. And if you want to send me a message, you can do so at WFMPod at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. I know that there was no guest in this episode, but I'd like to give a thank you nevertheless to Michelle Nyhouse. Her book, Beloved Beasts, as I've mentioned, huge influence on this entire season and this episode in particular. Go pick up a copy of that book. It's probably my favorite read of 2021. An amazing book. 
I'm so grateful for this conservation season. I'm sad to see it go. I'm glad that I got to explore all of these stories with such wonderful guests. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week because next week is the holiday special, the 2021 second annual Wait 5 Minutes holiday special. I've got some holiday stories to share with you from former guests from this year of shows. Everyone is very busy, but I have gladly gotten a few guests to come and chat about decorating and spending our holidays in Florida. So tune in next Monday for the last episode of 2021, the second annual Wait 5 Minutes holiday special. You're going to love it. I'm very proud of it. And if you want to get some extra holiday cheer, go and listen to last year's episode. It's still relevant. It's still wonderful. It definitely makes me cry when I re-listen to it. Maybe it will get put you in the perfect holiday spirit. So go back and give it a listen and tune in next Monday for the second annual holiday special. Until then, be good to yourself, be good to others, look into getting vaccinated, and if it's time to get your booster shot, look into that as well. And of course, as always, drink more water. Have a good week. I will see you next Monday. <laughs>